Hoy Noiros! Welcome to another chilly edition, a Valentine's Day edition. This one's for the lovers out there and everyone else. We're not trying to exclude, you know, just in love with love or uh, a nice day, a nice peanut butter sandwich. Right, Dan? Huh? Always. <laughs> Dan, are you decent? Are you decent for this episode? Um, yeah, I think. Uh... I also meant to come in like, like that. <laughs> I'm sorry, yep. I blew it. You have the hair for it. I'm more in a so, good hair so spot me. right now. Well, you know, we could we could deep fake it. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Hair Talk. Uh, we have a special guest. They don't want to listen to this. They want to get on and and then be heard. And welcome to the show. We got the one of the greatest polls of all time. We have from the uh, everybody's favorite film noir account. Um, are you on all all platforms now at this point? I think so. Somewhat. Okay. I mean, all the necessary platforms. You can't hit them all. You know. There's only so many hours in a day for TikTok, but we have Film Noir Confidential. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, guys. We this are... is my first podcast ever. So oh, I'm wow. sure it's not the last. Platform. You're going to be doing like commentaries in no time. You, you have such a, a good eye and, and taste for this stuff. It, it's been great. I mean, we I, I personally have just taken so many notes of films you posted for future episodes and all of it. Just what a great job right off the bat. Oh, golf you. clap to you great oh, content no. yes they can't see but i'm blushing so <laughs> <laughs> i still need my postcards it. i uh i have uh i'm holding off on the postcards i'll get them to you Uh oh we yeah. don't get to see each other as much as we should dan yeah i mean we're not we don't live that far away but you know everything with the pandemic and, it costs five dollars to come yeah, back he's got to you know? yeah he's got to pay the toll to get over the bridge <laughs> there's it's a toll to be your friend I was going to say, I can mail you a set. It's just the volume one is sold out. So I have the second volume. I can mail you. We will purchase our second volume. We pay for our goods. But (laughs) thank you for giving us volume one. I don't remember what episode we featured it on, but we talked about it. I got to see them and they're they're awesome. They're even better than my crappy little computer camera. So just just wait, Dan. Yeah. We'll set up a dinner just exclusively for these postcards. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I can't wait. It'll be, it'll be a letdown. <laughs> <laughs> you Great. wait and see. But yeah, thank you for coming to the show. Um, I guess what we usually ask our guests is, uh, how did you fall in love with the genre? I'm super honored you guys asked me to be a part of Gilda because this is the film that got me into it. I was seven years old, wow. which in retrospect was way too young to watch <laughs> this movie. And I missed so much. I did not understand it quite the way when you watch it as an adult and I'm sure we'll get into it when we talk about it but watching it as a seven-year-old definitely like shapes your psyche and both for good and bad obviously and I think I really just like on a very like visceral level fell in love with like the shadows and the glamour and the sharp dialects and um that was really guilted with my gateway for sure it's a great gateway. So did you always have an affinity for like older movies? I think so. I, I asked my mom recently, because it is such a weird movie to play for a seven-year-old. I asked her like, why? Why did you play Gilda? Of all the things, <laughs> like she could have played like Mary Poppins or I don't know. And her response to me was, well, what else would we have played? It's not like there was a lot of movies. And I thought, well, that's kind of a weird answer, but um, <laughs> That's okay. And yeah, I I watched a lot of black and lights with my grandmother too and my mom, which we still do. We just watched like 
now Voyager the other day because I'm going through a Paul Henry sort of obsession. And yeah, there's something... I don't trust people who don't like black and white movies. You can like both, but people who don't like black and white, I don't know what to make of them. So I think I've always just, I don't know, they're classics, you know? Absolutely. I also kind of want a bumper sticker that says Gilda was my gay way. Gilda was my gay way. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking that. I was like, that's a great, uh, it's a great line. Thank you. Well, it's true. And she definitely messed me up in a good <laughs> way. I mean, I, I'd say that's the theme of the movie as well. She she does that. Totally. There's <laughs> never was a woman like Gilda. So. Before or since. No, absolutely. And I mean, I'm not mad about it. By the way, uh, do, have you seen Hollow Triumph with Paul Heimard? I'm obsessed with it. Okay, so, cool. I I'm figured, obsessed with it. I figured you would be. Especially, have you both seen it? I don't want to I have not, no. Thing. I have. I love it, too. Um, that's, love that's it. one I, I hope to do in the future. So that's why I asked. Oh, it's so good. Well, if you and don't have, have a bad experience, please come back for that one. How about yeah, that? we'd love I'll, to have you. Well, there's yeah. this amazing scene I posted on my Instagram reel the other day that was sort of it's I'm sure you'll know which scene it is. It's the one with Joan Bennett and Paul Henry. And he says, you're a bitter little lady. Mm hmm such a good scene i'm not going to spoil it for you but thank you when, when you get to it you'll be like oh it's one of those like perfect film noir you know clapbacks it's such a bizarre movie but it's great <laughs> it's such a bizarre movie it's such it's a little predictable at times not in a bad way and the ending i thought was great and joan bennett's amazing and, and he's amazing and um is it public domain I, I believe it is. Yeah, because I know you can still get good copies of it. Right, because I have the um the film detective Blu-ray. I think it's film detective. I'm trying to see, it has another name too. Um, it has, it's called it's a Scar. Yeah, um, and then there's also a third alternate. I think I've seen lobby cards that say the man who murdered himself. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> Whoa, that's an amazing yeah. title. Wow. Yeah. Someone and, needs to pick that up. Yeah. It is. It does say that. It says the working title was The Man Who Murdered Himself Reissued in the United States as The Scar. Good old Eagle Lion, you know. Yeah. Just tr- churning out those. What those a cooler jobs. way to say suicide, too, you know? Yeah. I'm going to, if that's how it's going to be from now on. Yeah. I, I definitely want to do Instead that at some point. So. <laughs> We're going to say he murdered himself. Yeah. You'll see. You'll see when, when you watch the movie. I'm um, looking forward to it. But you it's know, one of the better be titles. Like, Sometimes these movies, like sometimes these movie titles, like I watched The Glass Wall yesterday, and mm. it, and it, that movie title has like so little to do with the actual movie. It can be a little frustrating sometimes. But Hollow Triumph is a great name for a great movie, I think. Yeah. So how many film noirs do you go through a night? Do you do you think are you are you constantly watching them? Yeah, some nights there's zero and I need to take a break. And then sure. on the weekends, sometimes I'll go crazy and I'll watch like three a day. Um, wow. But part of it is like also doing content. Of course. You know, like I'm taking screenshots and stills and stuff for the account. Um, and my parents watch them with me too, begrudgingly. <laughs> so sometimes it's easy to like watch one with them, even though they're, they can barely pay attention. Are they vocal? Do they have good commentary at least? My dad fell asleep yesterday through the, we watched the mob together. And I told my dad in the beginning, I go, I think you're going to like this one because it was Broderick Crawford and it's like the mob. And he literally fell asleep the last five minutes. And I was just like, I was like, why? Like you literally were so close. 
I feel like you did it to yourself though. The classic, like, you're gonna love this one, just is instant, like, I'm gonna fall asleep every time. All of them. He hates (laughs) all of them, but he watches them because he's a good dad. So I try to like hype him up because he's always he always watches them and his commentary after is like these are garbage. (laughs) Which which there are a lot of film noirs that aren't. We'll get them on the show, it sounds like there's they're B movies or things like that that they're just like knocking them out or poverty rows putting them out. So there are a lot of bad ones that I watched because I'm a completist. But well, thanks for doing the work for us. Yeah. Shout out to Film Dad Confidential. Thank you. He'll (laughs) never know. He doesn't know about the account. My parents don't even know that I do it. So I still they probably still respect you for a reason they're unsure of, but it's that. And also just, you know, love for their daughter and all. Thank you. I'll tell them that part. (laughs) Okay, that's good. And they'll be like, what are you talking about? No one, no one can know. It's our secret. The account is so secret. My parents don't even know about it. So I don't know. That follower account keeps on the rise. It's only a matter of time before they follow you. I'm sure they have Instagram. My mom does. There it is. Yeah. Do you have a, a decoy account at least to throw her off your scent? I have my real account and she just followed me on that one, but I feel like I'm barely on my real account, but you are right. It's only a matter of time till I show up in her explore page or something like that. Although you you don't use your name or your face really. So you might, you might get away with it. I might get away with it. And um, I think I'll be okay. She'll never know. Plus it's good to have some secrets. You know, they should have a, like a ready to go filter. That's like the classic. Remember when people are on the news and they put the blue dot over their head and they would talk all gross. That'd be fun. That would be. Just amazing. to have that on demand. Yeah, exactly. There's a Marilyn Monroe one, which is really creepy. It'll put like a blonde wig on anybody. Um, <laughs> but I would I need, much I need prefer. You <laughs> look quite dashing. I look forward I'll to seeing that. I'll send it to you after the show. Thank you. I would love that. All right, guys. Are you ready? Yes. Let's do this. I think we're all ready. We feel good about this. Episode 58. We've got ourselves some Gilda. I'm sure there was no working title for this one. Just straight up. We got the goods. Released April 25th, 1946 from Columbia Pictures. Directed by Charles Vidor. Story by, and there's a lot of fingers in this cookie pot. E.A. Ellington, adapted by Joe Essinger, who we, of course, know from Night in the City. Screenplay by Marion Parsonet, and with some punch-ups by Ben Hecht. Welcome to the show. I, uh, I, I really enjoyed this viewing of Gilda. I mean, I always do, but I was just, you know, I don't know, maybe it was just being a film reviewer now. Uh, I just, I had a great time watching this. It's such a, a magical movie, and it's fascinating because we'll get into it, but it was very like just sort of made on the spot, written as you go, like really just like, we'll figure it out, you know? And uh, it's fascinating what they came up with. It shows, <laughs> but you know, for better or worse, it shows. <laughs> it does. But, you know, I think it's, and there's sometimes where like, it's like, okay, come on. But this viewing, I don't know. I just, I was really in the zone and I was enjoying the magical journey I was on. We opened with that great shot of some, some rolling dice right off the bat. And uh, we meet Johnny Farrell, our Glenn Ford, looking great. Glenn Ford just always reminds me of a friend I grew up with. I don't know. He's just got that face in the cheeks. I don't know what it is. Do you guys well, feel that? Canadian. Okay, that could be it. Our, everybody's friend it. is a Canadian. Yeah. I'm just trying to picture the, some, somebody just looking exactly like Glenn Ford. Yeah, um, but a, a little boy who yeah, was calling around with me. Also okay. a little boy. Yeah. You picture it. It's there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're rolling the dice with the show. We got 
Johnny Farrell, and he's he's a rough around the edges gambler. He might not be playing by the rules, and he's just arrived in Buenos Aires, Argentina, of course. Things are going great. He's great at craps. He's probably not a cheater. Oh, wait, he is cheating, uh, which results to him getting robbed in a dark alley by gunpoint. A little pro tip for you. Probably shouldn't count your money in the alley, right? I don't know how they did yeah. things back then, but easy there. It's just, you know, let's go into the light. But thankfully, he's got a guardian angel nearby. He's rescued by a mysterious man who comes out of the shadows. Is that a little walking stick knife thing? What do you guys think of that? The coolest. The coolest, right? <laughs> well, I think seven-year-old me thought it was really cool. And then adult me saw it a totally different way. I don't know if you guys picked up on that at all. What's that? Well, when I was a kid, I used to just really watch it face value and then as an adult there's all these like homoerotic undertones oh yes well in that <laughs> regard of course in that regard you've got like balan who's creeping by the waterfront at night picking up <laughs> men and then <laughs> that, this, like, that part i didn't consider but makes total total sense when you put it like that yeah i did not consider it till very recently and then my whole it felt like my world shattered i was like wow i see it all differently <laughs> the the cane is definitely, you know, super interesting in that respect. Yeah. And that comes up a lot in the, in the movie with Duquesne specifically, kind of as a, a, a yeah. part of that. You it's know, weird throughout. because they said it wasn't really like intended, but it's hard not to think it like it's pretty airtight <laughs> in a lot of regards. So this guy says, hey, I'm looking out for you. I'm just a, a stranger coming in from the shadows with my pointy stick. Why don't you come to this casino I know of? You should gamble here. Don't bring your dice, though. You're clearly a cheater. but come party here. I know good things. And it's like, all right, that's a, it's a good promotion. That's a good way to get someone to come into your joint. So we're off. He's like, oh yeah, wear a tie too. You know, you look like shit. You gotta clean yourself up, <laughs> take a shower. So all good. We're going to go to this casino. He's winning. Well, he's taking over the decks and doing his own shuffles to make sure all is well. And he's making himself quite a buck, but he's summoned into the office to uh, speak to a boss. And the boss is the man from the alley, that stranger with the pointy stick. That's uh, Balin Munson. Munson, huh? That's a, a great last name. Uh, he's the owner of the casino. And he's like, clearly you're cheating. Don't cheat, but come work for me. I like the cut of your jib. You got the goods. You, would, it, you and me, we're going to be friends. It's interesting how, like, when you think about it, when he meets him and he, he gives him that, like, ticket thing, like that, I guess, like, the, the little, like, sign that he's, like, in, that he's allowed in. And he, but then again, he tells him not to go. Yeah. Like it's it's so it's so fascinating, like because he he like he is entrapping him. I mean, that's part of the whole power aspect of the movie. But like it's just it's just fascinating that whole setup. And he's like, because you believe it at first, you're like, oh, like you know, he's saying like, here, it's like weird, like all right, you're telling me to go, but you're telling me not to go. Like it's, <laughs> it's so you're like you're really baiting him into going to this. I, I found that really interesting. Yeah, I feel like it's really indicative of like their dynamic throughout the whole movie. You know. Yeah, definitely. And also on the way to his casino, we got to give a shout out to Uncle Pio. Uh, he's, I mean, he's going to come into play, but the best, just, just the best. Yeah, really keeps a, a whimsical tone throughout. We all could use some Uncle Pios in our lives. So shout out to Uncle. I'd flip him a chip if I had one, but here's a chip of a compliment. Um, you're a gentleman. Thank you very much. It's about time someone noticed it. You know, <laughs> it's not just self coin. Someone has to call me. Otherwise, a little full of myself, aren't I? But flipping chips over here to our guests and, and to our uncles, we're also finding out that they say, you know, you got to be careful. Gambling and women don't mix. So you got to make your choice. And it seems like we're choosing gambling. Right and now. Right now. Yes. I would never. Uh, personally, I, I don't have that kind of luck. So I just 
<laughs> leave the gambling to the gamblers, uh, bring on the women to me, I will say. But yeah, so he's like, why don't you come work here? You, you be my right hand man. You'll be my eyes down on the on the uh, casino and we'll figure it out. You you seem to know these type of people like you can sniff them out. We're going to we're going to make sure everything's fine. So all is well. These guys are, are have a, a wonderful friendship. They're running this place like butter. Everything's going well. And then uh, Balin's like, hey, I'm going to head out on a trip. But here's the combination to the safe. You look after the place, the metaphorical keys. You You got this. You know what you're doing. You've worked here long enough, even though how long was he there at this point? Do you think? I don't no. say, but maybe a couple of weeks or months. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Certainly enough long to get enough. comfortable. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, you know, Balin is really like the cut of this guy's jib the entire time. So he's, he's really rising him through the ranks. You give someone your safe combination. You, you must like someone. 32, 66, 44, everybody. I love you. It is one for the Valentine's Day out there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll uh, put out a treasure map to find what what it, where is that safe and what's inside. Would maybe we'll get put some postcards in there. How about that? There you I go. Like that. That's a great cross promotion, everybody. We're announcing it right now. <laughs> so yeah, all is going well. He's running the casino great. Weeks go by. Fallon returns. He's feeling so psyched. He's he's feeling great, better than ever. Even though he seemed pretty happy. But he's like, I have I got someone for you. You got to meet my new wife. That's right. I got married. But, you know, of course, I do that quick. I brought you in quick. That's just how I roll, baby. Here's my wife. Who is she? Where is she? Is she decent? Gilda, everybody. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. You get the uh, I, beyond iconic. Just one of the all time greatest introductions from Rita Hayworth. What can you say? That hair flip. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of surreal because like it's because it's like you're watching them. You're watching the two of them and you like the camera just immediately turns over and comes in the foreground. Like just the whole execution of it is just like it's just otherworldly. It's great. It's perfect. One thing that's really fascinating, too, about Charles Vidor is he didn't work in film noir at all. Like and this -hmm. seems like it was like kind of a very accidental noir. Like, I don't know if that it was because like how the cinematography went that it ended up there. Like, I don't know if when they were making this, they knew that it was going to be a film noir, but it's just fascinating. Cause he's, he comes from a lot of like romantic movies and musicals, a lot, a lot of musicals, a lot of musicals. Exactly. Yeah. Just seeing what he does. It, it's interesting when the outsiders come into the, to the genre and they have different skill sets and it, just seeing how that works. It, it's amazing. You know, even when we were talking about like when we did night of the hunter, I mean, that's a great example of like an outsider. I mean, he's only a one-time director, but still like, I don't know. That's a a letterbox list in itself that you could do of just like people that don't direct a ton of these and and the fantastic ones that they did. But that great scene with Rita Hayworth, it was actually shot twice other than popping her head into frame. That was good to go. You don't need more of that. She actually is dressed in different costumes in it. So you can see a nice little back and forth if you're looking for it. Some goofies, if you will. (laughs) But just, yeah, great scene. You've seen the GIF. It's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) it's It's so subtle too exactly i mean i'm sure they didn't even know that it was going to be what it was until you film it you're like oh my god i mean that hair just it 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 gets bouncy throughout the movie and it's it's hard not to notice it's fantastic something i was reading about this morning which was super interesting is that how hard hair is to control which i never thought of before (laughs) and supposedly a lot of directors have said this like literally trying to control hair is almost like doing stunts because when you're like flipping it you need it to go a certain way and particularly in her dance scenes you know oh sure they 
they kept saying like it takes real skill to be able to do something like that and like flip it upward and just get it in a in a take or two which i would never would have thought that but when you when you say it it makes a lot of sense we just went through that same thing yeah i thought about that more like you said with like later on i mean it's jumping ahead a little bit but like that's something that really stood out to me on this watch was when she's singing towards the end in, in the casino and it's that big open shot and she's moving around and she's doing all like the dances like it's just amazing. Like the way she's like moving and the way that the hair is kind of contorting and like, it's just, I, yeah, I, I, that I really keyed on this time that I just, I guess it's been a while since I'll admit it's been a while since I watched this. So it felt very fresh for me, but that's something that definitely stood out. I, I really love that about it. I feel like I keep catching Gilda a lot over the last like year or two. Like it's, it seems to be on T like TCM a lot, or I just was recently in the, like a year ago in the mood to watch it. And Gilda's always somewhere yeah. there in the mind. They have played it. They played it at least twice in the last few months. So you're not, you're not dreaming. <laughs> but yeah, so we're all just completely head over heels for Gilda and uh, Johnny. He seems to actually know Gilda, and he's pretty bummed about this. He's got those Glenn Ford eyes that'll just break your heart. God bless him. Yeah, he he loved this woman at a time, and now he hates her. And hate is as good as love, as we find out. I'm Absolutely. sure you can tell that to your sweethearts this Valentine's Day. I hate you. And they'll love it or they'll couldn't hate pick, it. Couldn't pick a more perfect episode, I think, for Valentine's yeah. Day. Thank you. I mean, I, I felt good about it. That's yeah. why we're saving it for this and we were saving it for you. So I'm glad mm-hmm. to see the stars and the hearts have aligned, everybody. Yes. So now Balin doesn't know about any of this. Uncle Pio, though, he gets it. He's 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 pretty sharp to these things. <laughs> In this write-up, it's actually he's actually the philosophical washroom attendant. Sure. It's pretty, pretty accurate. It is, but... Yeah. That's that's uh some nice w- words, Miss Smith, in there. <laughs> sort of like the he's like the voice of reason throughout the whole thing. You know, he has like a dose of realism, like a true uncle. Yes, mm-hmm. it kind of made me think of. I mean, it's it's kind of far off base, but it kind of reminded me in a way, like almost in a, a different kind of way, like in the Breakfast Club with the janitor, and it's the same type of thing. Like he's like he knows all the gossip, knows everything, so he has all that knowledge that he can hold over somebody and that, and that in of itself kind of wields, you know, maybe like a quiet power in a way. It's, it's kind of similar dynamic in this movie where it's like, yeah, he hears and sees everything and, and it comes into play, you know, kind of throughout the, the movie. Mm-hmm. More John Hughes film noir. That's right. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to be bringing that into the, <laughs> but I, I never thought I'd be tying that together, but this is the, this is the state my, my brain's in right now. Um, now we're going to meet detective Maurice Oberjohn. He's an agent of the secret police. He's been trying to figure out the crime in the casino. Clearly, it's a, a shady place. It's post-war, after all. And uh, he introduces himself to Johnny. He's trying to get in with him. And meanwhile, Balin is having a meeting with two Germans, and it's not going well. This is the first time we start to see Gilda getting a little flirty and a little unhappy with her marriage. That we were talking about undertones. It's probably pretty uh, loveless in a physical sense. And uh, I mean, that's one of the coolest and most fascinating things about this movie. I mean, for one, it's just you're getting a a movie that's focused on your femme fatale. I mean, this is entirely centered on Gilda. It's it's not she's not a side character like like typically is the case. And, um, you know, she knows what she wants and she knows what she likes. And she's very uh, free spirited. And it's and you could just see Rita Hayworth having so much fun with it. And that's what makes it such a joy. Yeah, I mean, the whole the whole thing centered around her. I mean, she got, you know, I mean, you can even see it on, on this. It's like, this is, it's all about her, you know? 
Uh, right, rightfully so. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it, that's, it's a cool, cool little one. You guys should check it out. But yeah, so she's getting flirty and Balin doesn't like this. He tries to put a stop to this and he, he wants Johnny to do it. He never takes the, the lead himself. He's like, you just, I don't want to see any of this happening. Make sure that this gets taken care of. And Johnny does. And because he feels that hate for Gilda slash love, of course, he's pretty mean about it. After that, Gilda, she really takes a hold of, of this weakness that she sees in Johnny and, and taunts him and is, is quite cruel with her flirtations. She's really flaunting it in front of everybody. Like as much as it is for her, it's also for other people's uh, enjoyment and non-enjoyment. As this is going on, like Balin is just totally losing it with, with these Germans, what's going on. Um, I mean, I never quite understood like that <laughs> aspect of it. <laughs> I mean, I know there's like crime going on and the Germans are involved, but that's one thing that just kind of brushes by me. I think that's a byproduct of them punching up the script as they go along is that you have this weird subplot of the, the Germans and the Tunson Wire stuff going on, which as a kid went right over my head other than understanding something bad is going on and he's a bad guy. But it's, it's, a, it's confusing for sure. Yeah, it's interesting that the... I mean, the, the actual, like, when you think about, like, the subplot of the movie is, like, kind of, like, their love, almost, in a way, like, I mean, that, or that's, that kind of comes to the surface more so than, like, what you think would be, like, a, a typical plot where you're, like, it's action-driven, like, it's, like, you know, you're thinking about, like, oh, there's this intrigue that, like, that's what's supposed to be, like, the, the attraction, but it's not, it's, it's the, the dynamic between those three. But, yeah, I, I guess, like, they try to build it up, I mean, it's there with, like, the whole post-war thing. Where they were like, there's like the cartel and, you know, they want to, you know, kind of have a monopoly on tungsten for various, I don't even know what tungsten is always used for, man. I think it has a lot of uses probably, but I guess it wields the power enough that they can, you know, potentially profit off of it in some way. And yeah, apparently he like, they put in his name and then like during the war, so it wouldn't come back to them. And then now after the war, they want to take it back. And he's like, I'm not giving it up. Like he yeah. still wants that control, but yeah, it's, it doesn't like, it doesn't explain it like at all. It's very confusing. No, and it doesn't, they don't explain it more as the film goes on yeah. either. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it becomes really confusing. Yeah. They just like pop up again after a while and you're like, oh yeah, that's like a thing that's happening. They gave up on it. <laughs> They're just like, ah, well we, oh yeah, we forgot about that thing that we were talking about earlier. Let's just like bring it back a little bit. Cause it can drive some plot, I guess. Well, it's interesting well, it's like too. A... Can... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just saying just how like it starts because like it is like a very like seedy like you know action is happening and then you're like all right like let's just get through this one little like we got this femme fatale coming in we'll, we'll zoom by that and we're back to the action but it's like no 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 we're gonna we'll stay here for a while like right we, we didn't mean to do that that's just set up to get us here it's just interesting yeah I feel like when they were punching up the script they they ran out of ideas and there's like this weird parallel with Casablanca that they've got going on where yeah. like we're in, we're in a different location. They've got this like love triangle and then, okay, let's just add in Nazis. So, <laughs> and, and a plane. Right in doubt, yeah. <laughs> and a plane and a romantic cop that like tidies up the ending. And, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of weird parallels. And then, you know, maybe for the best. I mean, that's one of the cool things about Casablanca. It gave us some good inspiration to other movies. And that's it. Nothing else good it gave us. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Um, yeah, so like all, all this stuff is going on, and one of these men fires a gun at Balin, but he misses and then runs into the bathroom and he uh, murders himself, as we just came up with earlier in the show. Very, very striking. Great scene. Very horrific. Yeah, I don't know. Just 
as much as it was like, okay, that was weird. And that happened. It, it is <laughs> cool that it happened. Uh, you know, when it goes there, it goes to some big extremes. Um, like, like even action wise, like you think you're getting a slap, you know, you'll get a double slap Glenn Ford, but he'll throw a punch right in afterwards. Yeah. There are a lot of extremes to this movie. Um, I don't want to like jump far ahead, but especially with the love hate, you know, it's sort of the whole idea of the movie in a way. Yes. It's a roller coaster. Yeah. Well, we want to ride. <laughs> <laughs> so Balin, he's like, he doesn't want to talk about this, but uh, this is where he also shows him the safe. I shouldn't have jumped ahead to that, but this is where he's like, all right, here's the safe that I do trust you now. Before he was just trusting him saying, you know, you don't know about my cool little behind the picture safe. Here's the combination. I hope you memorize it because I'm only going to briefly, barely show you. I would be like, can you write that down? Or like, yeah. tell, tell me like, yeah. I got really anxious about that because I was like, I, because he said it and I didn't remember it. And I was like, I, and yeah, Glenn Ford was just like, yeah, I got it. No worries. I, I got this. I remember it. But you know, to, never... later, yeah. Glenn Ford, when he's like, has someone who's in the same position, he like tells him the combination. He's like, I'm not going to pull that on you. I'm a better boss. Meanwhile, as it's going on, Gilda is remaining very flirty and fun and you get to enjoy all these wonderful outfits from her. And this makes the hate grow deeper slash love and one night after that gilda says i was just trying to get over you that's why i married balan like clearly this is just a marriage of convenience and this makes him even matter because it's like why would you do this why wouldn't you just like (laughs) come back we clearly love each other we could have you know went so far beyond any of this but no such luck and now there's a big carnival speaking of of roller coasters everybody some great giant heads floating around uh Mm -hmm. really good set design there when Just Uncle a... Pio has them together is great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that. We love Uncle Pio. Yeah. Um, and this is a good time for the Germans to come in and they, they want to see Balin. They make Johnny take him to him. And Bali's like, I- I'll meet up with them pretty soon. I just got to deal with some stuff first. It'll be fine. Don't worry. Gilda doesn't feel good about this. And Aubergine is also like, this can't be good. I'm trying to get this guy. I want to bust him. Like, come on, Johnny. We got to figure this thing out. And on his way out, Balin murders one of the Germans <laughs> and uh, <laughs> takes off. You you leave someone with the combination. You, you, you're just going out for smokes. I'm sure you'll be right back. But, <laughs> you know, just check for the keys to the plane. Gilda is having a good moment with Johnny. It seems like things are, are, are really heating up between them. And, and it's no longer maybe so much hate. Finally, these two darn kids are going to get together. We're really rooting for them. Get your clothes on. You're getting out of here. Are we, Johnny? Are we? Not we. You. You do hate me, don't you, Johnny? I don't think you have any idea how much. Hate is a very exciting emotion. Haven't you noticed? Very exciting. I hate you too, Johnny. I hate you so much that I think I'm going to die from it. Darling. I think I'm going to die from it. But then it turns out maybe someone was looking after all. Uh, and it was 
our friend Balin, who's completely heartbroken by this um, double betrayal, the, the worst kind, two knives in the back. Ouch, that'll paralyze you, I would imagine. Uh, and he runs off, you know, who knows? Maybe he was going to grab both of them and say, you know, th- this plane fits three, we can do this. But he, he takes off. Johnny goes after him because, of course, he doesn't want to hurt his friend. Aubergine also comes and they, they head to the beach. They see Balin get on a plane flying off and it's like hey all is well oh wait he, he probably doesn't have enough gas to even make it anywhere where he's gonna go it wasn't like africa was the closest place i believe i think so that's yeah. what they're saying yeah they said it was like at least two thousand miles and yeah. it's also a great shot with the you know the, the silhouettes of them looking and then you see the skyline and you see the plane going it's it's yeah. great gorgeous yeah. yeah love that shot and then you see the plane go down and explode and that's not good so r.i.p Balin. we loved you Sorry, you're not Did coming we... back. Yeah. <laughs> I think only Johnny loves Balin. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I I would say you don't really get a good reason, but he did take him in. Like, clearly he needed a little little guidance and, and uh, support emotionally. Yeah. I think it goes back to the, you know, the subtext of are they a couple, Johnny and Balin, which I never, again, picked up on as a kid. But when I watch it again and again over it definitely makes more sense why they're so close. And, you know, I began to wonder, like, you you know how he plays interference between Gilda's, you know, dalliances, if you will. Mm-hmm. Part of me wondered, like, I wonder if he's protecting Balin from it versus, you know, like, why is he going through such great lengths to, like, protect Balin from finding out? I don't know. It just, it reads differently that they're really close. I mean, I would say that's pretty much how I see the the film now is, is that, um, I mean, it, it's an interesting try. I love triangle. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that's probably, I would say, yeah, definitely. That's why he's been stopping all of these uh, flirtations is, I, I mean, it, so much of that could even be like just him letting go of that one past part of himself and now embracing his new life at the casino with, with a new love. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to yeah, go there's there. the whole, the whole swimming uh dialogue about the yeah. you know, that that whole thing and then just like the little things like i think at one point uh he, you know, he says like let's go home and stuff like that gun ford says that yeah, to that's him, a great and one and yeah. it's just like and you're like okay like yeah you start <laughs> to kind of pick up on some things that yeah that kind of definitely allude to because that was so odd for the time like in in yeah. the 1940s you would hear people say like you should go home yeah. never like let's go home that was always right. I wonder if like audiences in the forties, like picked up on like that as being a little strange. Cause you would always hear like, you know, the one tough guy to the other tough guy, like you better go home. Right. Not, the, the bartender would be like kicking them out and be like, yeah, time to go home. Yeah. yeah. You can't stay here. Yeah. That's call it. it a taxi, but and not Uber here. Now, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so kaboom dead that's that seems to be it a ballin and johnny's like all right this now means i have to go ahead i'm gonna marry gilda she has now inherited everything that he has and because of the marriage he's able to take over for the casino there's that scene where he's like i guess in the boardroom <laughs> whatever that is but the shareholders i guess technically i don't cartel. know cartel yeah. cartel yeah i mean if you want to get criminal about it but he's like i'm taking over now you guys work for me and i'm marrying gilda and that means she's fine with it so guess what i'm the main man now boo hoo everybody i like how uh, the one the one guy's just like 
He's like, you know what? We were thinking about it. And this doesn't sound that great to us. Like maybe like <laughs> someone else should do it. He's like, no, that's not. That's, yeah. He's like, you know, Hey, we don't want to just work for one person. Everyone should have a say, right guys. And he's like, no, shut up me. I have the say. And yeah. I say, you shut up, you go. And Johnny, it turns out he married Gilda. It's not for love. It was for hate, hate, not the real hate. He's like, you know, I didn't like the way you treated my man, Balin. You're going to stick with me. I'm giving you no love. You may seem like we're finally going to embrace, but this is your punishment, marriage. <laughs> yeah, this is such, <laughs> so fa- such a fascinating dynamic. Like this part of the movie is just like. Yeah, I mean, in many ways, this is when the movie goes off of some sort of rails. It's, it's still very enjoyable, but it, it is just like, okay, now this is happening. Like, Yeah, it's it, a it's, weird third act twist. Yes, but hey, you know, sometimes. That's what you got to do, I guess. Um, Sometimes you just want to torture your partner through marriage. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if it's love, that's what it is. And that's also what we're here to remind you for this Valentine's Day. Put that on a card. Say, <laughs> to you, say you love them, Noiros. Yeah, we should make a, a Valentine's Day card with like Gilda on the cover and, and have different things on it. It'd be very nice. That might be a nice That'd be amazing. thing. We'll give it a shot. So Gilda, she realizes she's stuck and she wants no part of this. She's... She, um, Who's the new person that takes over for Johnny as far as like getting in the way of things? Which the new guy? Johnny. Like, isn't it like oh, there's like a, that a guy who guy? Yeah. 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 I don't, do they say his name? I don't remember. I don't think so. It, it's the guy that that's always, he's, yeah, he just seems very like bumbling through it. Yeah. He's just like that henchman guy. But he's the guy yeah. who gets trusted with the combination later too. I like, think I don't his know. name is Casey, but like okay. you don't know much about him. And he, you know, obviously later drags Gilda off the dance floor and. You're right, it is Casey. Yep, you're right, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a real buzzkill, a.k.a. the new Johnny, and uh, (laughs) she doesn't like this. She's having no fun, so she takes off. She leaves the country to go file for divorce. Because Uruguay. (laughs) (laughs) As you do. (laughs) I mean, it's right Uh, there. And she has a lawyer now, too, Tom Langford. He's real into her because it's Gilda. This is how she works. Everyone just comes into her orbit. After that whole dance and singing number two, how how could she not be, you know? (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, wonderful work. Unfortunately, not her voice, but yeah, she did a good job. It was her dancing. So, yeah, not her acoustic guitar playing as well, which she always wanted to sing. Yeah. On the film, they just never let her, which I know is a big point of contention for her. And she would take singing lessons and they would still sadly dub over her. And it makes you wonder like what it was really like. Cause I can see them being like way too picky back then. Like it probably I heard kinda... the scene with Uncle Pio, like that is her real voice. I don't know if I believe it, but supposedly when she's singing with the acoustic guitar, that is her. I've seen things that say both. I was, yeah. you know, and it seems like yeah. it is more likely probably not her, but I would love to I agree. that's the case. Yeah. I know. Choose your own adventure with this one, but you know, do you want to be bummed out or happy? We like to bring you both, you know, we're, we're not trying to make hard decisions here on the podcast. We're not those type of people. Yeah, I'd be upset <laughs> if, if someone was like, yeah, you know what? We're, we don't like your voice very much. We're just going to dub over you. <laughs> um, I'll tell you I that would, for the next day. The next album, Dan, I'll tell you that. We're going to we're going <laughs> to dub over this one. Or I thought Sorry, you were going to say the podcast. I thought you were just going to replace me and, and dub somebody over me this way. I'm actually replacing both of us, so. Okay, great. <laughs> How great is it going to be once we could just pass this baton to someone else? We'll have two special guests come on and then we'll just leave the, the Zoom. Leave. <laughs> just walk away. Yep. I mean, we tried that with Film Noir Confidential, but she wanted no part. <laughs> you guys don't want this. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll try to convince, get convinced later. 
yes, we still have the end of the show. We we got time, everybody. We we can we can turn this around. So she thinks all is well. We're gonna get this divorce annulled. But Johnny shows up in the hotel room. Turns out this lawyer was working for him, and he's like, "You're not going anywhere. I, I own everything. I, you know, I, I I'm in the casino business now, and I I fucking hate you, which means I love you. So you you're stuck with me." And Gilda's like, "All right, well, guess what? Now I'm gonna wear like." the sexiest thing of all time and do this amazing dance with this amazing hair, which as we all know is impossible to film. So really makes it such a feat. Yeah. Just uh, another classic scene from the movie was this, the whole song and dance. I didn't realize, but that dress has its own Wikipedia page, <laughs> which is amazing. It absolutely deserves that Wikipedia yeah. page. And I actually, yeah. I, I read into also like what it was inspired by, which was this painting portrait of Madam X from 1884 it was quite controversial at the time because of the stance of the painting and and what it showed you know kind of like the movie a little bit and yeah it's at the met if anyone wants to see it if you're in the new york city area if you want to take the gilda tour but yeah i would also just recommend reading that wikipedia article i was pretty fascinated by it which dress was auctioned off i don't i guess i couldn't I believe, it, I, I believe it was this one, the that black dress, but I'm not positive. Because there was mean, like a TCM auction that like, yeah. auctioned it went for like, I think like $160,000 or something. I mean, you could auction off any of these and I'd imagine they were a big deal. Uh, this yeah. is another, I, I hate to bring it up again, everybody, but this is a Jean-Louis gown and just shout out to him, still enjoying Green Acres and his work on Green Acres. So You couldn't wait to get that one in, could you? It, just, it keeps happening, Dan. I'm trying to live a, a life where I keep my love of noir and Green Acres separate, but they just keep intersecting. <laughs> Not possible. I, I, Dan, I think it's, stay tuned I, for a future episode and you will see how possible it is, my uh, friend. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's the place to be, everybody. I'm going to take your word for that. <laughs> I will send you some <laughs> clips if you need more than a word, my friend. But yeah, just a wonderful, wonderful dance. Great song. Get the soundtrack. Get your uh, 45. I'm sure it's out there. I was going to say, I we're going to edit. We're, we're, Is that hey, one? I'll, well, I'll take a look. Dan, give it a look. We'll, we'll edit this part out. Look. But there's, yeah. No, but there's a weird bootleg that I bought recently. It's a picture oh. disc on like a 10 inch, Ooh. which I can't think it must, it can't be legal. Does it but sound I good? I was thinking. I, mean, I haven't put it disc, on my but... turntable yet. So, oh. but I, like you said, as a picture disc, there's no way it's a good quality. Because that's yeah, you might want to just look at it. it What's the picture her face of? On it, her face. Oh, it's her face. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking about it the other, like the other day. The music is fabulous in this movie. Yes. So I wish they had a soundtrack because the only soundtracks I can think of are like later '50s, like Sweet Small of Success and Oz Against Tomorrow, that have like actual proper soundtracks you can buy we, we've been talking pretty constantly about doing like a reissue label of like the old That'd soundtracks if we can yeah what i've been buying recently is have you guys um i'm sure you're familiar with street scene that song i think it's by alfred newman um it's the opening credits that i wake up screaming yes oh, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 and it's in a ton of movies so i've started buying different versions of it on 45 and lps oh which is like wow. a new obsession of mine. <laughs> we got to check out your discogs at some point. I bet you got yeah. some good stuff. What would you say is like the most, like your coolest, your favorite like memorabilia or, or film noir related trinket, whatever? Oh, um, because I bet you got some cool I, ones. I don't. I, I feel like I have better records when I do film noir memorabilia, but I just got a copy of a Sweet Smell of Success poster that 
I need to get framed, but I'm pretty stoked about that. And I was arguing with someone online about a Hall of Triumph poster. That's just way too expensive. (laughs) (laughs) That and like, I feel like I buy a lot of out of print books. So I wouldn't Mm. say I have like cool memorabilia, but I I love. All that stuff um, counts. All that stuff like. Love books. A lot of it, like I just got Eddie Mueller, um, Dark City Dame, which Mm -hmm. I'm reading. I'm in the middle of that, which Evelyn Keyes was married to Charles Theodore. Yes. Yeah. There's a great um, bonus on the, the criterion of Eddie Muller. And he talks about how he became friends with, with Evelyn Keyes and explains about a lot of the subtext of the movie, like a lot of the innuendo, other innuendos that are in the movie, like with like a cigarette and stuff like that. And yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. So I, I found that the, I couldn't find any like actual seven inches. I know that the song, like you can get the songs, like I think digitally randomly of like the theme from Gilda, but I couldn't find anything like on vinyl or anything like that. Like that doesn't You guys really... can be the first to put it I out. I know. And it sounds like if, if it's out there digitally, we wouldn't have to like, you know, remaster it too hard or anything. Yeah. I mean, there's put, put the blame on MAME. Uh, it's out there. Um, and then there's Amato Mio too. So there's like the, at least the, those two songs. Yeah, I mean, like, I would like to do, like, a compilation, like, just, you know, curating, like, our Something. own playlist, like, not a best of, but, like, a playlist of our favorite no, things that we can get. That'd be amazing. I have a Spotify playlist uh, of, like, film noir things, but it took me so long to <laughs> compile it that I would love if someone did, like, did all the work for me. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Yeah. If anyone, please, anyone out there, just do the work. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm still well, I'm still also, I was gonna say I'm still I'm still trying to get the Elizabeth Scott record. That's my that's my next one to get. I just got that. Did you really? Um, there it is. This this is the the oh, wow, okay. That's awesome. That's yeah. really and cool. Then, yeah. There she is. Oh my god. Love her. She, I tr- I tried I to do a tape of that. I, I reached out to try to license it and I hope I can still. I haven't yeah, heard we're, we're we're trying to. Yeah. But yeah, anyways, we, we are watching a movie here. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Not at all, all necessary talk. Yep. Um, yeah, so we, we, we've gone through this wonderful drunken seduction dance. It's amazing. And Johnny, he's talking to Aubergeon and he's like, give me those documents from the safe. It's like patents and, and all sorts of good stuff in there. I guess you're patenting what the, the craps table <laughs> It's something, something good. I don't know what's getting invented that uh, we need these documents, uh, war documents, maybe. It's like tongue. It's like it's part of the tungsten thing, I guess. Whatever you're using tungsten for, whether it's like you know bombs or whatever, I, I don't know what what they're using it for. But something, you know, obviously they're trying to tie it to like the war and yeah, post war with you know some type of either munitions or something. They don't. They, I think they don't care. I mean, it's like it's like a MacGuffin. Yeah, it's like they don't. We're, we we shouldn't care to. I'm sorry, we're spending yeah. so much real estate on it, but you know, we we like the facts here at out of the podcast. That's what, sure do. You say what you will about us, but you can't say we don't love the facts here. Uh, we're a bunch of dragnets over here, right, Dan? I'm your fact checking cuz. <laughs> <laughs> we also appreciate having you on because I feel like you're the one person that you know maybe listens to us that gets any of our musical references. A lot of these things don't intersect. <laughs> That's okay. I, that's why I don't mind the banter. And I figured, cause you guys, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a little odd at first when I started hearing you guys talk about bands that I knew, <laughs> um, that's always like just strange in general where I'm like, Oh, I think 
I, I know exactly what they're talking about. And also, um, I guess there's a lot of people though who like punk music that also like film noirs that I would have never thought about. I think that's something that we that we bought Joey and I bonded over because yeah. we, we didn't know it at first when we first met. Like I I we we knew we liked movies, but we didn't realize like the depth of our our love for film noir in particular. So that yeah, it's exactly that. Sometimes it's not something that's outwardly talked about that you're like, oh yeah, this person likes film noir. Like you don't, you know, if you're going to like a yeah. show, like you don't it's not something that always comes up. You yeah, know? you're talking about music usually or yeah. How much the no, sound yeah. sucks at the venue. <laughs> Always. Or like when you're listening to a film noir podcast, I wouldn't expect to be hearing about cassette tapes. (laughs) Or any podcast, rather. But yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what we do. I mean, hey, you like these kind of movies. You probably like some obscure, weird stuff. And uh, that's us us in a nutshell. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, Speaking of welcoming to the show, let's wrap her on up. Oberani's like, you know, hey, Gilda. She was just flirting around because she just wanted to screw with you. She's got weird boundaries with love and hate. You get it. Come on, bro. I, I, I'm I, kind of a softy myself. Like, I get it. I love love. What, what, what could we do to get you two crazy kids back together? Huh? And uh, Johnny's like, all right, I, I, I'm on board with this. I'm going to wash my hands of this. And me and Gilda, we're going to happily ever after. But then all of a sudden, oh, my God, who should appear? Balin's not dead. He, he faked it. He jumped out of that plane. He had a parachute and then blew it up. Oh my God. What a, what a classic move, huh? <laughs> Pretty elaborate. It was, it's quite elaborate, but you know, that as sometimes it's weird and elaborate that this stuff is like, I, I love that it just swings for those fences and just somehow works. Like it, 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 it is a weird, just like melting pot of just like making it up as you go along and, and having all these like weird ideas come in, but just God bless it. Somehow it just works. I don't know. Well, like it's- I, it's the same as like thinking about elaborate, like think about how elaborate that whole ruse was with when she went to Uruguay and that lawyer guy, uh, like basically like makes her fall. Like they, they try like fall in love <laughs> yeah. and really he's just working for, for him the whole time. <laughs> and he's like, Oh yeah, here she is. Like, cause he makes up that whole thing. I'm like, Oh, you can go back there and get an annulment. And apparently an annulment's not a thing in Argentina, or at least that's what they say. Yeah. But you never yeah, heard of an Argentinian annulment? No, I haven't. <laughs> it's the opposite. Yeah. No, yeah, it's wild. Like, hey, yeah, please, like, you know, go. Sure, yeah, you're like, sure. Go schmooze with my yeah. wife, go kiss up on my wife, and uh, we're going to really pull one over on her, huh? Yeah. So cruel. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I mean, cruelty is the name of the game of this movie. Like, it's it's a joyous cruelty. And uh, it's yeah. that fine line, you know. That's how you know it's love. When exactly. You abuse your partner from. <laughs> Shout out and, to all the lovers out there. And, tr- the and trick, them, trick them back from another country back to the country that you're in. With another you know, man. With a, Tale yeah, as old as time. <laughs> yep. How much time do you think has passed? Because like that's always been something I've thought about when Balin returns. But this whole time, like they've gotten married. She's run a away. A decent amount of time. A decent amount of time for him to like resurrect himself. He just yeah. like, decides to come back. Where do you think he stayed? exactly where like, do you have a little island or something that he was chilling on you see it on that boat <laughs> the whole time <laughs> i mean he's 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 rich enough that li- or at least they lead you to believe that so i imagine he has some like at least a bungalow some he's probably got a bungalow somewhere that he's hiding out in you know sharpening his little walking stick knife yeah, probably yeah. I don't, who knows yeah AKA it, his penis it's his penis everybody <laughs> oh that's what it is <laughs> Yeah, the, the, it's interesting, like, the concept of time in this movie is fascinating because yeah, there's not a lot of markers about, like, 
the timeline specifically about like how much time has passed through a lot of these these sequences. Um, yeah, because you also lot. don't know how much time has passed when Gilda and Johnny just first see each other versus like how long ago were they together. Yeah, you also it, don't know why they even broke up. Yeah, no, definitely. Like it'd be it'd be interesting to find out from when the movie started to the end, like how much time has passed. It could be years. It, it could be a Groundhog Day situation where it's just been endless eons. So who, I mean, who's stuck in the loop then? Is it, is it us or is it Glenn Ford? <laughs> I could see it being I think Glenn it's Ford. Gilda. Or it's yeah. Gilda. Oh, oh yeah. Poor I Gilda. think it's Gilda who keeps trying to run away with different men. Yeah, she finally... something different each time. She yeah. learns a lesson in the end. Uh, Michael Shannon gets his WrestleMania tickets. And <laughs> we're, we're all is well. We're happy. <laughs> So somebody learns piano, right? It's true. This movie's so fresh in my mind because I'm sure it, we already mentioned Dan, me and Dan, we we watch Groundhog Day like every year. So yeah. Shout Thank out to Groundhog know. Day. I was really this last Groundhog Day viewing. Here's another tangent for you. Everybody loves these. Uh <laughs> how miserable Bill Murray is in that movie. Like as as like an actor, not even just as the character. Like just seems so bummed. But like perfectly miserable. Oh yeah, no, it's that's another bizarre circumstance where it's just like it somehow works. But like, you know, that movie ended friendship, long time friendships because of how miserable it was. It's on the screen, but yeah, it's just like, well, good news is you're playing a piece of shit. So (laughs) he's so good in that. He is. I also am very disappointed living in Pennsylvania. They never played the uh, the Pennsylvania polka here, which plays throughout Groundhog Day if you shazammed it before, like I have. And the movie wasn't even filmed there. And that's even more of a bummer. Tears, Dan. I, yeah. I, cried, I cried tears when I hear that. But speaking of tears, <laughs> Balin <laughs> has a few. And he, he's got a gun. He's not even using his, his dick stick anymore. But who should come in with said stick? Uncle Pio stabs him in the back. Metaphorically, maybe. I don't know how close they were. But Uncle Pio, he's like, I'm looking out for Glenn Ford. I knew he had the goods. He was a good guy. I've loved him this whole time. He, he flipped me the chip that one time. That's really all I need to respect someone. All is well. And they're like, oh, well, you, you you better take off Uncle Pio so you don't get caught. And uh, Aubergine's like, no, no, no. That, you, got, you crazy kids are getting back together. This guy already killed himself once. What's he going to do? Die again? No way. So don't worry about it. Uh, I'll take care of this body. You, you two crazy kids go back home. Uh, wherever home is. I'm, I'm assuming America. But is that really ever said? Hmm. Yeah, she's from New York. Or oh, at least okay. they, yeah. they mention it. Yeah. All right. Well, back to the the Big Apple. Because uh, that's where that because we did we we didn't really mention it, but there's that there's that guy Gabe that she like sort of like goes with. I think he is also from New or at least he's from New York, and she kind of like flirts with him a bit. And and there's that whole you know scene where he like punches him. <laughs> that's Ford punches that's him. the double slap. Yes. Punch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. We didn't there's mention my also- name. Yeah. There's also a scene where Glenn Ford tells Gilda. You can't talk to men down here the way you would at home. They don't understand it. Understand what? They think you mean it. Yes, yes. There's a lot of great lines. It really is a, again, just for how many people wrote it and, and how on the spot it was written, like just some great inspiration, some some great one-liners. She has some savage one-liners. Yeah, she'll break your heart. I mean, watch out for Gilda, but also don't watch out for Gilda. She's a, a lovely woman and, and maybe... You two crazy kids can make it work. It's a little misunderstood. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that, yeah, you want them to have the, the you know, happy ever after. <laughs> you know, maybe. Maybe that will happen. Boy, uh, one thing I wanted to say, too, is one point when um, when Johnny's trying to get Gilda to leave, you know, the annulment's not going to work out, and she slaps him twice on both sides of his face, and that broke two of Glenn Ford's teeth. 
how? Wow. And yeah. I knew this ahead of time watching it this time. And I watched him and, and you could see it in his face because he, he waits to finish the take. And he, he's just like, ow. <laughs> <laughs> Cosmo yeah, pro. Absolutely. All right. You guys ready to get into some fun facts? Yeah. I'm doing my I'm fun fact stretch dance over here. Yep. All right, let's get into the making of this beautiful picture. We got producer Virginia Van Up, which another Wikipedia to go down. Just a, an amazing powerhouse at this time. She was one of only three women producers at this time in Tinseltown, but she was finding great success at Columbia after years of script writing. She developed the story of Gilda for Rita Hayworth, and she was very passionate about this project. She's also another uncredited writer, just really shaping and making sure that this thing worked out. Uh, originally, Edmund Golding, was going to direct the film. And this was Rita Hayworth's first dramatic role for Columbia. Bogie himself, Humphrey Bogart, was originally pursued for the role of Johnny Farrell, but he turned it down saying that it's Rita Hayworth, she's so beautiful, the audience isn't going to be looking at anyone else, which is mostly true. But Glenn Ford makes it work, you know. He's a hunk. Very accurate. Exactly. He does what and he it does it seems do. like very much a Humphrey Bogart thing to say, too. Oh, God, absolutely. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, the role was offered to Hayworth's longtime friend, Glenn Ford. He just finished serving in the Marines during World War II, and he hadn't appeared in a film since 1943's Destroyer. And this was his big comeback, but he doesn't even actually appear on any of the promotional posters. His name is nowhere to be found. Hayworth and Ford had previously worked together on 1940's The Lady in Question, and Gilda would reunite them with that movie's director, Charles Vidor. There was thought of shooting the film in Technicolor at one point. But at that time, all the specialized cameras for that were already booked for other pictures. So we got our lovely black and white instead. I don't know if I could picture this in Technicolor. <laughs> it would be, yeah. it would be Maybe interesting. I couldn't. Like certain scenes, yes. Certain scenes, no. Like I think like the, the songs and, and a lot of Rita Hayworth stuff I, I could picture because. Her hair would. She exudes would, color almost. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, you know, you, you really could see the colors despite the black and white, but. It would have been interesting. I, I think we'd still be talking about this movie today if it was. Yeah. Yeah. Just not till May for our neo or our uh, neo noir member, our uh, tech noir color May coming soon, folks. But yeah, the script was still being written as filming started. Uh, and according to choreographer Jack Cole, quote, the script pages would arrive practically the morning that we were going to shoot. They were making the picture up as we went along. If you really look, you can tell that was the way the picture was done because it really doesn't make any sense if you try to follow the story, end quote. Fair? Much. Yeah. It's a little <laughs> true, yeah. Just a teensy bit. Columbia President Harry Cohn had his eye on the, on the numbers. He was worried about the box office, and he thought that bad publicity from Rita Hayworth could affect that box office, um, especially with her marriage to Orson Welles, which was on the rocks at this time, as it would often be. They were going through a separation during shooting, so he had good reason to be worried. There's rumors on the set that, and the gossip rags, that there was an affair between Hayworth and Glenn Ford going on. And Cohn would call the actors, trying to split up the pairs, much like Johnny does with Gilda, actually. And uh, he would take it a step further by spying on the actors with recording devices that he set up in their dressing rooms. <laughs> I and did I not know that. I wonder if this I've is where Glenn before. Ford got the idea, because as we know, he uh, was very famous for taping every call he had with the celebrity friends and lovers for over 40 years. Wow. I've, I've also heard that they knew that um, the trailers were bugged and they would fake yes. and to be intimate. So Harry, Cohen was like over here. The sound, um, the sound department did tip them off, and yeah, they were they were able to throw them off their trail. Yeah, they some were wild times on those backlots. Yeah, 
But were they actually having an affair? Glenn Ford's son, Peter, seems to confirm that, yes, they were. He, mm-hmm. In his book, A Life, which was about his father, and he said his dad had told him that the director, Charles Vador, had instructed the pair to, you know, he'd given them uh, outrageously explicit suggestions to help with their chemistry. And Peter Ford actually quotes his father as saying, Vidor's instructions to the two of us were pretty incredible. I can't even repeat the things he used to tell us to think about before we did a scene, end quote. Um, and speaking of Peter Ford, there's a photo of Johnny Farrell in the movie as a baby. And that's actually a picture of Peter Ford. So yeah, I've heard they were, had an affair like throughout their whole lives. And at one point he even moved next door to her. Really? Yeah. Wow. And that's because she told him the house was for sale. So oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what's up? No, he, he didn't just like <laughs> randomly buy it by accident. Like she told him the house yeah. was for sale. You should get it. There you go, ladies. So, you got to watch out where your men want to move to. So yeah. keep, keep an eye on that Zillow. Yeah. Don't move next to your beautiful co-star. <laughs> <laughs> See that, Dan? No one's moving next to you for a reason. I know. Too beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It's a, tough, it's a tough thing to live with, but I try. Uh, those two songs that Rita Hayworth, quote unquote, sings, uh, they were written by Doris Fisher and Alan Roberts. And they actually also composed the entire score for Hayward's next movie, Down to Earth, from 1947. And then they also did the song, Please Don't Kiss Me, which we saw in The Lady from Shanghai. Remember that all the way from episode three. Feels like so long ago. (laughs) It really, really does. I couldn't even imagine what that must sound like. Talk about not listening to the podcast. Those early ones. Oh, boy. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) Made it Uh, this far. You did. (laughs) Hey, you made it to Gilda. We're all doing something right here if we're, we're here. But the movie was quite popular, as you can imagine. In Spain, it became the inspiration for a popular tapas called the Gilda, which was made of olives, marinated anchovies, and hot peppers. I don't know if I would have that, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of things in that. Probably all, actually, those are three things I don't enjoy. So I could do hot peppers, maybe anchovies for sure, olives, mostly not, maybe in my youth. I've grown out of olives personally, but hey, diff- everyone has different taste buds. Shout out to taste buds. We love you out there. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning a lot about you today, Joey. I understand. <laughs> Every episode. I we have a, a we have a guest here and the truth comes out. Yep. I don't like olives. That's scandalous. Um, and less delicious either. news. Thank you. Thank you so much for that support. This is why we brought you on here. I'll submit I don't like them either. So I think we're in, we're in unison. On well, I felt like I was getting shamed for olives over here. And then you're like, no, no I'm on, I'm on team. No, I just, olives. I just wanted to mention that. Yeah. I'm, I'm I, it's a very sp- specific thing that I learned about you today that I didn't know. Honest, I feel like we all learned something about each other today. There was some, some new facts about us all. I mean, yes. one of our friends we're getting to know just 100% today, but mm-hmm. it's been great. Uh, the movie also became the inspiration for an atomic bomb that was tested in the Pacific Ocean's Marshall Islands. Uh, the bomb, which was the fourth atomic bomb to ever be detonated, had an image of Rita Hayworth and a stencil with the bomb's nickname Gilda on it. Um, this was a reference to her being a, quote, bombshell. Rita Hayworth hated this because, uh, I don't know, atomic bombs are stupid and this is a, a dumb thing to put <laughs> someone named on. after her. Yeah, fuck that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm 100% on board on Team Team Rita and with everything for the most part. All of, no, all of it. F- fuck Orson Welles, right? <laughs> Stay tuned for our next movie. We'll get into it. Uh, <laughs> um, but she was able to capitalize on the film's success herself. 
uh, with the help of her agent, Johnny Hyde, which is a great agent name. He demanded that Columbia give her a share of the profits for future pitchers, but old Harry Cohn, he refused. And then uh, Hayworth was like, well, I'm calling in sick for a bunch of days while we're filming Down to Earth. And then Cohn gave in and she received 25% of net profits from the remaining films in her contracts with Columbia. Not bad. Yeah, it's pretty good. Not too shabby indeed. And then, of course, a couple sick days. We should all be so lucky. Let's try this move ourselves. Pull some moves with the boss. (laughs) (laughs) They love that. They love when you pull sick day hijinks. Yeah. And as we were getting into with our the undertones of uh, sexuality and stuff, eventually, of course, the word's going to get to everybody. Charles Vidor reportedly said once he heard this quote, really, I never had any idea those boys were supposed to be like that. But Glenn Ford, he said he acknowledged it and said, quote, but it never occurred to us at the time we were filming. But glad to hear Glenn Ford had a, a good take on it. You know, you read his backstory. It really could go either way with that guy. But yeah, fun fact, uh, funner fact, uh, Hayworth and Ford, they were lifelong friends, as we were saying. They were also next door neighbors. Um, quite a lifelong friendship, if you will. We should all be so uh, lucky with our lifelong friends that get so much uh, affection. <laughs> but they, I think they have good chemistry, like on stage, I mean, like on the screen. Like, I, I like it. It's a great dynamic. You can see why this yeah. was something that was kept up over the years. But yeah, yeah. I guess I feel bad for all of Glenn Ford's wives, but that's really just the narrative in general. He, he taped all his conversations. That's crazy. He was also a big playboy. Um, yeah. The more I read into like old Hollywood stuff, the more um, affairs I've always, everybody would be like, X would always, you know, whatever actress it was <laughs> would always have been like slept with Glenn Ford. It's a lot. Um, I think, I think we get, went into it when we did the big heat, but it, it was, it was quite a list. Yeah, he's like a huge list. So I feel bad for all of his wives in general. This one's for the wives. But yeah, when Rita Hayworth died in 1987, Glenn Ford was actually one of her pallbearers. And I just have some fun facts about George McCready, our ballin, just because, you know, he's, he doesn't come along too often on the show. Uh, he was an art collector and he was a partner in a Beverly Hills art gallery called the Little Gallery with Vincent Price. But rent increases caused it to close after two years. But the friends had fun running it as a showcase for young artists. And uh, you may have noticed that distinctive scar on his right cheek. How could you not? Uh, That came from a car accident where he went through the windshield of a Ford Model T when it hit ice and then crashed into a telephone pole. And he was stitched up by a veterinarian and caught scarlet fever in the process. That's a day you don't forget, I imagine. Yeah. Intense. Um, but he shows up in Kubrick's Pass of Glory, does a great job. And of course, he'll be back for us when we get to 1951's detective story. He's also in the big month. clock. Mm-hmm. Yes, we, we almost got to that when we did our big month, but it was too jam-packed. It was too big. Too many big. Too There's many a big lot movies. of big movies. Have you seen the big clock, Dan? I haven't. Lisa always recommends that one because I know she she loves that one. Oh, okay. uh, she's been a guest a couple of times and yeah, uh, she... She's definitely a big fan of that. She, uh, he's also in uh, My my Name is Julia Ross, which we did cover. That's right. That's right. I do, now I'm remembering that. But yeah, no, he, he does a good job, especially as a, a sinister force with a pointy stick. <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> sure. Do you guys have any final thoughts on Gilda? Uh, I would say, did we, I don't think we mentioned that the cinematographer is Rudolph Mate and he directed DOA, a, uh, a fan mm-hmm. favorite of ours. <laughs> yes, we did not. Yeah, and then he did. Yeah. yeah. DOA he did Union Station. Amazing. He did oh, Union okay. Station too, which, I, which I'd like to get to. Some, I haven't seen, but I would like to see. I'd be very curious what you think about Union Station. 
because I can't get through it. Really? Okay. Looking yeah, forward to it now. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> I mean, I do watch a lot of noir, so after a while, some of them. It all kind of, yeah. I thought it would be amazing just because Union Station, and there are so many amazing films like Crisscross that are, you know, have scenes in Union Station and things like that where I was like, really, or like even too late for tears, you know, anything to do with public transportation. I was really stoked on, but I could, <laughs> I still need to finish it. Well, we all know how much I love Too Late for Tears, so. Yeah. That is a, a divider on the, the show. Yeah, it's been a, a divisive uh, fact <laughs> of, of, the, of our, our long-running show. Which is well, hilarious. the tiger now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we always end with it, a quote from it, too, which is the ironic part. What are you going to do? But yeah, yeah. Gilda. I would I would give it 8.5 out of 10 hair flips. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that that's a good one. But I, but it's you know, it's one that you just kind of like enjoy the ride, you know? Like you you yeah. got to you got to go along with it, but as long as you can allow yourself to do that, you're really going to have a great ride. It's got it's got lots there and and there's a lot of unique stuff as much as there is like it is a bit, you know, Casablanca y like I don't know, yeah. it, it just it feels like no other film noir. You don't see a film noir that has a happy ending often. And it's yeah. almost like improbable the way it's like so neatly tied in. Like they they torture each other for like months or years, literally torture each other. And then she just says, Oh, isn't it great? None of us have to apologize to each other. <laughs> and <laughs> the then dream. Alan dies. And then they just we're supposed to believe that everything is fine. And they just run away to America and it's great. So you know, it's I think little, it depends what love story you're invested in. Because if you're if you're the Johnny Ballin love dynamic, it's a very tragic ending, unfortunately. <laughs> but if you're Gilda Johnny, yeah, it's a it's a wonderful happy time. Yeah. It's again choose your own adventure, the the greatest kind. Yeah, I think it's just a, it, it, just wa- again watching it. You know, after such a long time, there is just a certain magic to it. It's just it's just it's such a weird. There's a certain like. I don't want to say it's mystical, but it just, it kind of drew me in this time around. I'm just yeah. like, it's, it's such a, like, I, I did feel my, find myself being so captivated by her and her character that like, that's what draws you in. Like, I mean, obviously it's, she's the main character. It's, you know, no, your eyes are like, yeah, but it's when like, she comes on the screen, it's just, yeah. there's just something that is just, it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. She's a babe. <laughs> <laughs> great hair, great dresses. Uh, great everything. Great dancing. Great. Uh, dubbed over voice, <laughs> uh, <laughs> great lines. Yeah, great lines. Yeah, um, so the whole, the whole, the whole deal. Great, great, great. Well, thank you so much for listening to our Gilda episode. Please come back next week. We're gonna get into 1949's The Third Man. by a thousand men desired by one woman the third man hanging is too good for him nothing is too good for the third man her man was the third man the man on every woman's lips Vienna, 1950. 
a city fearful of its present, uncertain of its future. Vienna, the once gay capital of a light-hearted people. Here in the shadows of its palaces and ruins is told with tenderness, drama, and suspense. The story of the third man. There was a third man there. I suppose that doesn't sound peculiar to you. I'm not interested in whether a racketeer like Lyme was killed by his friends or by an accident. The only important thing is that he's dead. Third Man, the story of two men and one woman caught in the dangerous web of an international love affair. Oh, please, for heaven's sake, stop making him in your image. Harry was real. He wasn't just your friend and my lover. No, I don't know. I'm just a hack writer who drinks too much and... Falls in love with girls. You? Me? Don't be such a fool, of course. The third man. Joseph Cotton in his most successful performance. As an American caught in a whirlpool of continental intrigue. The glamorous valley is the mysterious Viennese actress who knew the secret of the third man. Perhaps we'll have a third man to join us on said episode. Tune in and find out as we scratch our scratchy chins. But in the meantime, we have chins to scratch this episode. Film Noir Confidential, thank you so much for joining us. Just a total pleasure. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. 10 out of 10 hair flips for you. Uh, just you. <laughs> we, we really loved having you and, and the insight you bring. Uh, you have a wonderful account, Film Noir Confidential on Instagram. That'll take you to the link tree where you could find everything else. Check out the Spotify playlist. I, I have dabbled myself and you, oh, your you. work was very appreciated as it always is. You have a, a great eye for this stuff. And, and we're glad to have you in the film noir trenches. You know, the youth really bringing up this, the, this wonderful genre we love so much. Yeah. Thank you again for having me, guys. Absolutely. Please, please come back. I mean, hopefully please. we can get you back. <laughs> yeah, <please. laughs> yes. It's like, that's like, we're triumph. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, we hope that happens, um, but if it doesn't, you were magical on this episode, much like Gilda. You were our Gilda, and we loved having you in the Valentine sense, of course. Thank you so much. Everybody, you can find us on Instagram, Out of the Podcast. We exist there. The Real Out of the Podcast at Gmail. Feel free to go to Apple Music or Apple Podcasts. I always say Apple Music. And rate, review, subscribe. Spotify's got it too, but you know we're, we're still Team Nealion on that one. We love Spotify, but fuck Spotify, too. We also, love, we also love Neil Young, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but in the meantime, the three of us, we're going to we're coming together like a like a goddamn Captain Planet to say thank you for joining us. And here's the crime. Here's the crime. Ridding. Mm-hmm.